Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The Hubble might be the most famous telescope in space, so much so that you can probably picture some of its photos in your head. Those huge orange, purple, and blue space clouds, they look like something straight out of the quantum realm. The Hubble was a game changer for astrophotography and space exploration. And now, three decades later, NASA is getting ready to level up with a new way of peering into the cosmos. It's called the James Webb Space Telescope, and it could take us light years farther than Hubble ever has to the edge of the known universe. Our friends over at the Unexplainable Podcast are going to take it from here. Okay, Brian, before we get to some of the unanswered questions that the Webb Telescope is going to let scientists try and answer Let's just start with the telescope itself. What makes the web so powerful? So I talked to Amber Strawn. She's a NASA astrophysicist. She's worked on web for years. And she really pointed out there, there are two key ways that the web improves on Hubble. The first way is really just the size. It's enormous. It's much bigger than the Hubble. Hubble's about the size of a school bus. Webb stands about four stories tall. It's about the size of a tennis court. So it is Absolutely huge. And and bigger with a telescope is inherently better? Yeah, so especially when it comes to this kind of telescope, the key component is the mirror. So a telescope mirror, you can sort of think of it like a light bucket. So the bigger it is, the more light it can just collect. And Webb has this light collecting area that's more than six times bigger than Hubble. And then also the bigger it is, the finer resolution it can see. And not only is it large, it's like a gorgeous golden honeycomb with all these different segments of hexagons. Mm-hmm. Here, let me send you. Oh, cool. I mean, this looks like something that I would see in a sci-fi movie and be like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if they made things that looked like that? Yeah, and they did. <laughs> and uh, because it's so big, uh, there aren't any rockets that are big enough to launch it fully deployed. So the whole thing has to be folded up to fit inside a rocket the engineers had to find a way to kind of origami it into a smaller package so it can huh. actually fit on a rocket ship. And wow. then once it launches, it will have to assemble itself in space. So I- I'm sorry, assemble itself? Yeah, it's well it's supposed huh. to. <laughs> so that whole process of building a deployable telescope in space is the, sort of the source of a lot of the, the engineering uh, challenges. Okay, so the web is super big. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the second important difference between the web and the Hubble? The type of light it collects. Webb is an infrared telescope, so that means it sees the universe in infrared light, light that's a little bit more red than what our eyes can see. Hubble can detect visible light, which is what our eyes can see, but Webb can see what's invisible to our eyes. 
And as far as all the frequencies of light go, red's at the lower end of the spectrum, right? Like longer wavelengths, lower energy? Yeah, so light comes in a lot of different flavors. Mm-hmm. So blue would be very high frequency. And then if it gets lower and lower frequency, it gets redder and redder and redder. And then it mm. drops into infrared. And what's the advantage of having a telescope that can see infrared? This relates to something we were talking about a couple of months ago on our episode on Henrietta Leavitt and the end of the universe. Okay. We we talked about how the universe is constantly expanding, right? Right. More space all the time. So scientists discovered that by looking at the quality of light coming from different parts of space. Hmm. And it turned out things that were farther away from us looked redder than the things that are closer to us. Huh. This is called redshifting. Space is expanding. And as light uh, travels through space from those distant galaxies, the light is literally stretched by the expansion of space. Imagine a star that's really far away, and the light from that star to get to us has to travel through space. But that space itself is expanding, and that space is stretching the light until eventually it gets so red, it drops into infrared. And what that means here is that Webb, because it collects infrared light, it can see these very far away things that Hubble just couldn't see. Things that are so far away, the light might have started off in the visible spectrum, but is now infrared. So the Webb will literally be seeing things that are so far away that no one's ever seen them before. Yeah, infrared telescopes are really sensitive. And because of that, the telescope has to be very, very, very cold. Because anything that is warm, will glow in infrared. You and I, all your listeners, we're all glowing in infrared light. If the telescope was warm, it would just glow and see itself. So to keep it cold, the web actually needs to be sent really far away from the Earth. Web is going to be a million miles away. That's about four times further than the moon. What? It's going to be at a place where it's shielded from the heat and light of the sun and the Earth. Sorry, four times the distance of the moon? Yeah, yeah, really very far. So this is not going to be orbiting the Earth. This is going to be orbiting the sun. Um, what? But also keeping itself in line with the Earth. It's called a Lagrange point. So it's orbiting the sun with us, yeah. but like at the same pace that we're orbiting the sun? Yeah, it's pretty wild. That is insanely cool. And when you add all those together, you know, the size of the mirror the wavelength of light it will see, what we're going to get is a telescope that's about 100 times more powerful than Hubble, if you can even imagine that. This is a super high-stakes mission. The, the web, it's going to be nearly a million miles away. And once it's there, we can't fix it. And what's haunting this whole project is that the Hubble needed to be fixed. After it was launched in 1990, the images from it just came back fuzzy. But I am extremely concerned by the fact that after spending almost $2 billion over a 12-year period, we only now find out that this kind of mistake could occur. And it was kind of this national joke. Have you heard about the problems with the Hubble Space Telescope? Yes. Billion and a half dollars, we put up a telescope, and it's out of focus. And so astronauts had to launch on a space shuttle and and fix it, give the the Hubble reading glasses, so to speak. And they could do that because Hubble was close enough to the Earth where you you could launch a shuttle and and get there and fix it. And they called the NASA official repairman. And he said he'll be up there sometime in the 21st century between noon and five. I just, you build the greatest 
biggest telescope that humanity's ever assembled. And it's like, oh, it's blurry. Yeah, yeah. And But you can't just go and fix the web if it breaks. Right. It's way too far. It, it just has to work. Yeah, so, so have they been sort of like double checking everything, like waiting yeah. a while to make sure they're not making any reading glasses mistakes? Yeah, it's just taken such a long time to get here. People were talking about the successor to the Hubble before the Hubble even launched. Mm -hmm. And the James Webb Space Telescope was originally supposed to launch in 2010 and cost around a billion dollars. Now the costs have ballooned to $10 billion, and it's just way overdue. And they're still planning to launch it, right? That's the plan? The plan is to launch by end of 2021, and... This 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 mm-hmm. can change, uh, so so don't at me if it does change. Um, but and then after it launches, you know, it, there will be some time. Like it has to deploy, it has to do all these things that we talked about. Unfold in space. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but then you know, the science will start. And this is one of the things that really drew me to the story is that anyone can use the Webb Space Telescope. What do you mean? Like, there's like a terminal somewhere that you can walk up to and like check out space? Yeah, put your eye next to it. Put in a quarter? No, anyone in the world can write a proposal, say, I want to use web to look at this. Can we use it? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to know too. I asked Amber at NASA. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you might need an astronomer friend to help you out. Should we apply? You know, I looked into it, and I think I think it's a little bit over our heads to do this. Yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty competitive to say the least. So, in in March 2021, the Space Telescope Science Institute, which which runs the web and other space telescopes, they sent out emails to scientists who had applied to use the web, and these these scientists like were on this day were like furiously checking their emails to see if like oh were were their proposals accepted, and it was kind of like all huddling around and finding out like who got parts in the school play. Okay. It was an exciting day. We. Totally felt like underdogs. It feels like a dream. It was honestly a truly amazing feeling. I think I was just stunned for for a good minute there. I probably cried a little bit. I'm pretty sure I jumped up out of my chair in my office and shouted out, yes! yes, 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 yes. And Brian, you've been talking to these scientists for the last few months, right? Yeah, I've been talking to scientists who have been awarded time to use the telescope and these conversations they just they just leave me with a big smile like just their their sense of wonder and awe like these are people who get to explore the frontiers of the cosmos and they just have so many unanswered questions what kind of questions are they trying to answer questions about the search for life in the universe questions about the beginning of time about exploring strange new worlds that are way different than anything that exists in our solar system. That was only a peek into the first episode of this two-part series. The rest is over at Unexplainable by Vox. Go check it out. And thank you for listening to Rico Daily. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, let us know if there's any news you'd like us to cover. You can send us a pitch at ricodaily at rico.net.